Welcome to The Book Report, the podcast where we do book reports on books we haven't read since the last time we did book reports. My name is Dwyna, my pronouns are she, her. My name is Natalie, and my pronouns are also she, her. Do you remember the Animorphs? Neither do we. This week, we're reading The Familiar, which is written by Kay Applegate. I wrote that it was came out in the year 200, but it came out in the year 2000. <laughs> uh, and it was ghostwritten by Ellen Giroux. Do you remember what happened last time? Okay, so the last time we recorded, it was the season finale you know so it was our recap episode um but what happened the time in the book before that though look natalie we haven't recorded in perhaps 50 years um it's been a long time <laughs> so i'm going to go look at what the name was oh the last one it was the megamorse book back to before which it was like time travel but not time travel right yes yes it was the acceptable time travel one yes yeah yeah they time traveled to Oh, hold on. I can't remember anything. Um, oh, this is where they time traveled to see what would have happened if they had not become animals, basically. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And basically, I mean, they still would have fought against the Yurks, but just they all would have died. Yes. So. Neat. Anyway. You know. We got another time travely book here a little bit. Yeah. One right after another on the time travelies. Um I have to tell you, Natalie, I before we get into it into the you know report, well, two things. One, I am kind of disappointed because in our predictions episode, uh, we predicted that this one this book would have witches and familiars. Yeah. And there weren't any witches. There weren't a, any. You know, it's a problem for me. Me too. Um and then the second thing is just sort of like a I don't know, a heads up about this book report. Um, so Uh I wrote most of this book report on the day we were first, no, second, we got onto zoom that day to record and then we didn't record and we didn't succeed. Yeah. But I didn't finish writing the book report that day. And then I was like, oh, after I get onto zoom, I'll finish writing the book report, but I I didn't do that. And it's been maybe two weeks. And Uh I also read the book that day. And so this book report, I stopped writing in the middle of it. And then I just finished it today and I forgot what happened in this book. So um, there might be a point which you can, maybe I hit it well enough, probably not. Um, but if you notice a strange change, <laughs> it's because, um, you know, starting season five, I, I'm looking forward to recording the season with you, but starting season five, it's just been, you know, a little bit, it's that time of year. It's hard to find time to record. Stuff's going on. We're busy. Totally. I totally get it. It's the holidays. Okay. So well, give me well, a good grade. Give me I'll a gentle think about grade. That. I'll consider give that. Give me a gentle um, grade. All right, I'm going to read it. You ready? Okay. Okay. This week, we read The Familiar, the 41st book in the series. It is narrated by Jake. It begins with a brutal battle where Jake has make the choice, has made the choice to leave Marco and Rachel behind. They all manage to get out, but everyone is severely traumatized, and Jake basically handles this trauma by telling them to get over it. He then goes home and has a weird interaction with Tom, who is behaving like a real creep. Jake goes to bed, but when he wakes up, he's in a totally different place and is also an adult. Somehow, he's been sent to a future where Yerks have taken over the planet, and he is supposed to be a controller working at a lab. He leaves his home and heads out into the world and manages to, of course, get into a wild amount of trouble when he leaves the transport to his work and instead goes outside into what he calls the Wasteland of Times Square. As it turns out, the Yerks have turned Times Square into even more of a wasteland than normal, only less traffic. From Times Square, he ends up fleeing from a taxon gang into the subway. 
and accidentally into an area where disabled and escaped hosts hide out. After a brief conversation there, he accidentally almost gets eaten by taxons before being caught by basically your cops. Before everything can go to shit, he's rescued by Cassie, who is still around and is a real Mad Max-style badass. Cassie is part of the evolutionary front and has a yerk. She doesn't trust Jake, but she lets him live and then decides to rope him into her plot to stop the yerks from turning the moon into a Cadrona, Cadrona beam source. With his new mission, Jake goes to work, ready to execute on the plan. Unfortunately, he is really struggling and has some wild visions of his team at work, all being aliens he's killed. His panic attack is interrupted by the Yerk cop showing up with his dad to arrest him. He's imprisoned, and this is where he meets Marco, who is now a visser. Cassie is brought in also. This is where we also find out that this is definitely a dream or something. They let him go, and he goes to dinner where he's told by a hork where to go to meet someone else in the EF. The person he meets turns out to be Rachel, who he thought was dead, but is instead just seriously injured in, in a wheelchair. From there, he runs away and ends up in a refuge in a refuge for the evolutionary front. He learns more history, then goes off for basically a boss battle where he's supposed to damage the thing turning the moon into a Cadrona beam source. A lot of chaos happens and maybe everyone dies and then suddenly Jake is in darkness and hears a voice evaluating his dream. He then wakes up and everything is back to normal. He picks up the phone and calls Cassie and that's the end. All right, my friend. Yes. I can tell that this was written <laughs> by essentially two different people. <laughs> and I will say it is not your best work. Oh, However, it is an effective method of get, you know, short sentences do a great job of getting the message across quickly and effectively. <laughs> Cassie is brought in also. <laughs> Complete end sentence. <laughs> I also want to say this book was so hard to write a book report for because so much happened and sometimes the order was confusing Mm -hmm. the order was intentionally confusing as it was a fever dream sure sure yeah but I couldn't just write a long fever dream happens then the book ends well hey now um I mean I'll give you a I'll give you a b b plus okay I'll I'll take the b plus could move to an a with extra credit we'll think about it okay sure um why don't we why don't we talk about what what all happened because uh as described in your book report wild oh my god i just this book was so much so much was happening there were so many details um yep. i already have my b plus i can mention that i did leave a major moment out of the book report because i forgot about it until uh-huh. literally um five minutes before we started recording so uh-huh. you know there's <laughs> just a lot was going on it was very chaotic. um okay here's something though that I did not expect to ever say. I liked this Jake book. I know, me too. Isn't that strange that I, I read this Jake book and thought, huh, what a fun time. Yeah, and also a good time travel book. Two good, two good time travel books in a row. Yeah, so the everything that happens in this book, absolutely insane, idiotic, yes. so dumb. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Had a great time reading it. It was, I, I really like, there's just so much, stuff happening and it gives you a really good sense of like what the i mean it, it tells you what the yerk's goal is like what would a yerk yeah they want to blow up the moon be yeah. like mm-hmm. um i really enjoyed that there was just so much information you know yeah it was like really good universe building and he's like moving through this new space and uh it is a fever dream and it feels like a fever dream but like you're in on it from the start that something is up it's not like it you're being it's not like um 
the annoying trope of like, and then it was revealed in the end that it was all a dream. Like we knew from the start yeah, that something was very amiss and it was probably a dream. This book, the, the kind of the dream world slowly unraveled itself. It was really clear at the beginning, but the further you went on, there were like signs that were pretty underlined for you about like this world is sort of falling apart the further we go into it. Right, right. Which I thought was pretty good. I um, thought it was worth mentioning that this book was also written, the, other, the person who wrote this book also wrote The Illusion, which is the Tobias uh, torture book. It's also a great book. I think this writer's just a good book. Or yeah, this writer's think, just a good writer. I think you're right. Just a really cool, cool, compelling author. And she's good at their voices. Like everything in this book, even when Cassie was like totally different, felt correct. Felt just like the beginning first 20 yeah. books that K.A. Applegate wrote, like just a well yeah. conceived and executed book. So yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I had a great time. It, as mentioned though, it was a lot of wild, insane oh, things. Oh man, yeah. I mean, I guess a we lot, start of, with, a we lot have... of hot, stinky garbage in the year future. <laughs> sure. I guess we should probably start off with talking about, uh, we don't really have any new characters per se, but we had a new species. That we don't even know if they're a real species because this is a fever dream. I don't know. I think we can Prob- assume they're Probably real. they're real, but because like, the we don't really the end know. Because the implies that somebody made this for Jake. That's true. Okay. Well, they're called the Orphs and they are, um, you know what I pictured? Um mm-hmm in you haven't seen star wars ever huh what i've seen star wars i thought you didn't like star wars no i i watch star wars all right hold on let me find like these these uh tall skinny blue aliens to prequel star oh, are they wars. the ones that like make the clones they're the ones that make the clones see so how i, I know pictured... star wars i like star wars how dare you you know look shock and awe at all times that's what you're doing you, you surprise me to no yeah. end so okay so you keep a relationship fresh. clone yeah exactly <laughs> you know what just as fresh as when you revealed to me that you don't like diet coke like I didn't that you're a pepsi don't like diet coke you're a pepsi, pepsi in our home <laughs> and, and, i like and a dc I, i've never been more shocked and appalled by that information anyway all right i pictured these the clone making aliens from star wars mm-hmm. but with one mm-hmm. eye instead of two Sure. Well, I mean, I can read the description. Go for Um, it. Let's see how close I was, because I just went straight to that, to be honest. I try not to let the two forms in front of me, roughly human and outline, except for a third leg and a seriously long neck, freak me out too much, but it was hard. See, each of them only had one eye, a big internally lit thing that fixed on me like a follow spot. At the center of each uh, of, of the eye was an iris, roughly like ours, except for the faint amber and gray glow. But you know how our pupils are in the middle of our irises? Not the case here. I was looking at the pupil, uh, pupils that orbited the iris like slow optical satellites. These eyes studied me with all the suspicion of Secret Service agents at a presidential appearance. They seemed to stare right through me. Uh, though it's more accurate to say I stared through them uh, because I was looking at the blue, lung, uh, blue lungs that filled and deflated with speech and two bright green hearts pumping pale yellow blood through crystal clear veins. Miles of intestines coiled uh, tightly near a swath of faintly reddish muscle. Their skin was as clear as glass or water. Clearer since there was no distortion as I stared at the organs beneath. Gotta say, while you were reading that, I took the liberty of going into Google and writing Orph Animorph. (laughs) And someone has done a drawing of what they think, based on that description, the Orph would look like. And it's bad. 
they stand with their three legs, they stand aggressively crotch first. <laughs> hold on, I'm looking it up. I'm looking you it find up. It? <laughs> I'm joining you. Hold on. Also, hold on, they hold on. added a uh, hand, the, the guy, the orf is holding some hand. Oh, no. you see what i mean they're like they're like really they're spreading the legs wide to like make sure you can see every part of them i will say i don't think that's an accurate drawing though of an orf the one who's like holding handcuffs yeah um because their skin should be clear fully and this one their skin is kind of like their body is it looks solid yeah it does but uh there's another one where they look like muscles Oh no, it's not orf. I don't know what those That's are. That's not an orf. That's a different um, Yeah. I think this is the only orf drawing we've been blessed with. Yeah, there's a bunch of other ones, but they're not of orfs. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um I don't know. That doesn't seem accurate to me, but okay, I guess it's fine. Okay. Anyway, um so the, there's the orfs and they're 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 the cops. They're the your police as you said. Yes. Um and they're security guards and they roam around the lower levels of the city and kidnap people. That's it. Yep. That's, That's correct. Yep. Um, okay. Stuff in this book. Talking about the book generally, I just want to say starts off so intense. Oh my God. I had in my notes, I was like, like, these books have gotten so graphic and violent. Super graphic. And um Jake is a uh psychopath in the first couple of pages. And he is a bad boyfriend and a bad leader. Because Cassie, immediately upon killing five people, says, I killed five people. What do I do with this? Yeah. We're just as bad as the Yerks. How do we continue? And um, is crying. And Jake says, uh, deal with it and walks away. And then she continues sobbing and he ignores her completely and tells her just like tells other people to get over it. Yeah. And okay. I would say that's bad. To be fair to Jake. Um, yes, that was bad behavior and not good leadership and not good boyfriending. Also, I would say all of these kids are in shock. Yeah. And so I, to me, this seems like Cassie's reaction to shock. She's just, just crying. Yeah, she's crying. And Jake's reaction to shock is I can't do this. Like I have to, I just want this to stop. Um, Does he have to also though, tell her those things? Okay. Again, I think that that yes, I think you're right. However, given the fact that these children had no tra- no no therapy Fair. and been exposed to a wild amount of trauma, and the book begins with him talking about how he was in a tiger morph and he was um, he was, was his arm ripped off or something. His guts were spilling from his body, like he saw them leaving his body. Um, so that's he's experiencing severe trauma. He, you know I mean, what? Book- you're you're right. I should be giving Jake more grace here. He's fine. Yeah. So this like this little <laughs> part where he comes. It's just intense. Um, he said, every, she's, um, every day we're more like them. She persisted. Aren't we? Tears all over her lower lids. Jake, I didn't have the energy for this. The doubt, the introspection, the analysis. I just didn't have the energy. No, I said flatly. I read that as somebody who's just like, if like he, he cannot start, like he cannot, he just, he just wants it to not happen. And the way that mm-hmm. you make it not happen is by just not engaging with it. So I guess, so. and then and we also see Rachel and Marco fighting, which seems like their coping methods are arguing and fighting. Um, which we already yeah. knew. It just seems like they're all kind of reverting to their code. Because I think we've also seen Jake kind of do this before. Where he's like, his reaction to trauma is like, don't engage, like, just shut down. So his yeah. behavior is yeah, bad, but also it makes sense. And unsurprising. Yeah. 
okay that's fair anyway so the book starts really intense um and then it like immediately the next chapter goes right to the future so we spend all of our time in this book just like in his future fever dream yes and um i have here just notes about like what we know about future jake in this fake scenario hypothetical mm-hmm. scenario is that he is 10 years older than he is in present day and he appears to be a few years out of college so he's now 13 or 14 and in the future he's 23 24 right. and he is supposed to have a yerk in his head named essac 24 12 75 yes but and he's been ESAC working he's in work he's like working for the i mean he's working for the he's a host so he is his yerk is working making working yeah. on this like beam yeah he wears an orange suit which i think has something to do with engineering prod yeah like it seemed I like guess. it seemed like it was something to do with building yeah we know that he's yeah he describes himself as having short cropped hair um a six foot frame and a day old beard um hmm. that's kind yeah. of all we really and like he's he has like a home that's kind of it okay can we now get to my favorite part the thing i made a giant list in our notes for yes i just want to talk about this future and what we learn about the future because there's so much good stuff about the future first of all and I think this is a really important one. Toilets seem great. Toilets seem complicated. Can I just, I want to read the thing about the toilet. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, okay. <clears throat> he goes towards a purple kidney-shaped pedestal. The top slid off to reveal a golden cone. It was decorated with a border of lum- luminescent tubing already. The toilet's glowing. Okay, we're off to a great start. And uh-huh. then it says... Flit, 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 sheets of soft paper shot at me from a slit in the wall and floated to the floor. They shoot toilet paper at you. Individual <laughs> sheets of toilet paper shoots straight at you. And then flit, 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 more paper. It knew he was taking a big poop. It gave him more. <laughs> and then and then it says, whoosh, a violent suction nearly pulled my pant leg down the cone. The luminous tubing dimmed. The kidney lid slid shut. Evacuation complete, said the jarring computer voice. It just sucked his poop right on down and then informed him the job was done and <laughs> if that's what toilets are like in the future sign me up sounds fun you're awfully that's silent do you disagree do I you just, not want that i'm just i'm just enjoying your delight in the toilets of the future i i'll tell you i read that part six times because at first i wasn't aware that it was toilet and i was like why is paper shooting at him is it like <laughs> so like an assignment nope it's poop paper Okay, um, the next thing I wrote here is that they're in New York and this was written in 2000 and the way he identifies New York is with the Twin Towers. So the Yerks either rebuilt them or this book was written in 2000. I mean, this book was written in 2000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was look- I went and looked ahead to see if any of the books happened uh, post 9-11, but no. I think we're no, never gonna okay. get post 9-11, which okay, would so be really be interesting to see how yeah. those would, what would change these books, but okay. Um, right. I, I liked all the New York stuff, right? Like there's a there's lot, a of, lot New of New York stuff. I was like reading this and I was like, oh, I wonder if she's in my neighborhood. Uh, so it was nice. What did, what did you think about Central Park being an Andalite prison? I mean, it, for some, for, to me, it made um, Central Park sound very small. Central Park is fucking yeah. massive. But uh, if you think about it as massive, then it makes for a great Andalite prison sure, because there's sure. a lot of grass for them to walk around in. The description just felt small. I don't know why. I don't think it, it said se- that. It just felt very it small. It seemed like a soccer field was what they were describing. 
Yes. I mean, potentially yeah. what they're doing is they're like, you know, this part of Central Park, this is the Andalite field. And then we keep like Cabin on the Green or Tavern on the Green. Um, that's going to stay um, as a nice <laughs> yeah. restaurant for everybody who needs sure. to go out. Um, we want to have some nice walking there. path areas for, uh-huh. you know, the vissers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they do want to keep that guy who always has like a telescope to look at the red-tailed hawks that have a little, it's like a, they, they nest in the buildings on the upper east side. Uh-huh. That guy's going to stay there. Just like some nice statues. You wouldn't want to desecrate strawberry fields area. Like, I get it. You want the ambiance still. Yeah. Maybe you keep the horse trails open so people can like ride their horses around. Hmm. Okay. Good for morale, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. Now, as a new, someone who has lived in New York, I would love to ask you how their public transportation system compares today versus future. Here are some key factors of the future <laughs> one. Buses free fall from the sky. They just kind yeah. of tumble off of buildings in a in a controlled, air quotes, controlled dive. Uh-huh. And um, the subway system seems to be now a pneumatic tube for taxons. Yeah. So as a, uh, you know, a former uh, person living in New York, uh, I did find the, like, okay. I know that it's really hard to upkeep a subway system. And mm-hmm. I also know people complain about the MTA a lot because mm-hmm. if you need to go from Manhattan into an outer borough or from an outer borough into Manhattan on the weekends, it's very challenging sometimes. Um, and who hasn't gotten stuck on a train for too long? However, sure. I will say the MTA on its worst day is not as bad as this tax on hell. So mm-hmm. I would say I'm not happy with the updates that they've made to the subway system. Uh, it doesn't even sound like one of the things I really wanted when I was in New York is just um, some signage to help me figure out when the trains are oh, coming. No, it doesn't sound like they've installed no that. Um, no. On the upside, on the upside, uh, cops do like to arrest people for jumping the turnstiles at the subway. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't seem like that's a problem here. So it doesn't there's less cops in the subway. And I like that. It does However, seem like, though, the fact that they are just shooting taxons through the subway implies that the subway is entirely cops. Well, but I think the, the, the orf are more of the cops. Sure. You know, the taxons are just... But the Yerks will eat you. The, sure. The, I mean, the taxons, I mean. The taxons will eat you, sure. But I'm saying, but that's more like shooting lunch bags through the system, you know, because they're basically right. paper bags with, right, with right, sort of right. organs okay. inside. Sure. Um, again, I would say... Um, on the whole, it's not better. You know, I, I would say that the subway system that exists right now is better. Um, okay. Although I think, no, I was going to say that I can make that it's not. But no, actually, no. Subway system now is better. That subway system is bad. Um, okay. Good. To it doesn't seem like you could is... actually use it to get around. And the bus is falling is not. You know, that's. that's I don't. What I, I don't think bad. I like. I don't think I like that. Yeah. I complained um, about the cost of the express bus a lot when I was there, but you know, the express bus didn't fall off of stuff. That's right. See, and I. You know? Yeah. You know. Um. Okay, what else do I have about the future? Uh, everybody wears suit colors that indicate their job and status. Mm-hmm. That's taken straight Very out Star of Brave Trek. New World. That's, that's yeah, Star Trek. But Brave New World, you know, they like put people in their like sure. alpha, beta, gamma, whatever groups and they all wear those colors. So, you know. I haven't read that book in a thousand a, years. So I, I did not remember that. That's just like a classic dystopian thing. Sure. You know? And also Star the Trek. aren't original in that way. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, okay, what else? Um, I would want to on, blow up the moon. Sure. I, I want to touch on briefly the yeah. Times Square situation. Please. Um, Times Square is already a pit. This seems like Times sure. Square is the same, but less traffic and none of those um, um, the like off-brand Elmos who get angry yeah. when you take a picture of them. 
does seem like there are none of those now. I just like that they maintained like Times Square as a place for ads. I that's very funny to me. Yep. And now now even taller because they built the city vertically up. Yeah, it just, I don't know. It's a weird choice because it does seem like you don't need to advertise anything. Yeah, you already caught everybody. Make them buy whatever you want. It doesn't seem like York should be, a, like, it doesn't seem to me like Yorks in general are a capitalist society because they're not making things to consume. True. I mean, they're making Kadrona, right? Well, they, they, no, I mean, wait, wait, wait. They are making things to consume. They're making children to consume them. Sure, but you're not paying for them, right? Like you get sure. a yeah. child you get an host. A, you are allocated a child host. <laughs> like your, your host, you don't pay for. You get your host based on your merit. I don't Status. know. Status. Yeah. yeah. It's not, it, it does not seem like a capitalist society in that you are paying a lot for stuff. Um, yeah. And like healthcare is not a paid system. It's that there is no healthcare. Um, right. So it's right. just a... I don't know what that system is, but it's not good. I'm not saying it's better than capitalism. I'm just saying it's not good. Libertarian? You're it's not it's just free form, do whatever you want-ism? No, because no, there's an you emperor. can't do whatever you want. Yeah, there's an emperor, and he still makes you do what he wants. A monarchy, I guess, is I just guess. what I guess. I guess. I'm not really um, sure well, this is. All right. My other thing I have on here is that actually a big part of the future is children farms, and I think that's Very disturbing. Good. Um, they breed children and then just keep them in a warehouse until they're ready to be hosts. Not great. They, yeah, they they kind of don't get too far into that discussion, which probably good. Um, mm-hmm. It was so disturbing to me that that's yeah. um, how how they do this. Yeah. Because what that implies good. is a lot mm-hmm. of sexual assault as well. I think it, you know what I think it implies is uh, that one book where Visser 2 was talking about having children and how she used her host body to have a child yeah, with yeah. this other uh, host body yerk. Um, yeah, it implies a lot of that shenanigans, yeah. um, which Bad. is not good. Um, and then last thing on my list, HR trainings are worse than ever in the future. I know. I definitely like that. I like that they included it, you know? Yeah, I'm going to read you the title of the HR training that Jake has to go to. Um, Peer communication skills, conquest through companionship. And he has to watch a short film that depicts an Andalite controller passing the cubicle of a Hork-Bajir controller. And uh, the Andalite controller greets the the Hork-Bajir who just doesn't respond. Um, And then the... uh, the host of the HR training asked the group what was missing from that interaction that could have facilitated team compatibility. And you know what? What a nightmare. I, I do appreciate um, that they, they still are like, you know what people really want in their workplace is some really fucking annoying workshops. Is workshops um, where you have to watch unrealistic scenario videos. And I and really people enjoying, ask you to volunteer information. I'm really enjoying envisioning the awkward acting, like someone walking around <laughs> in the office. I, that that implies that there are years who are actors. Yes, like they're it does. given they're given host bodies like their costumes, and then they act. Okay, but what it implies even more than that to me is, first of all, there's a whole team of Yerks whose job is to make HR. efficiency uh, workshops and like yep. and make. And like this, and it also implies to me that if some people are in this workshop and some people aren't in this workshop, um, is that there are 
your bosses whose entire job is to have meetings. They talk with their, their employees about like, okay, well, what skills do you want to work on this, this year? Like, what are your goals? Like, let's make you on like a training plan. Like um, we jokingly talk about this or three's performance reviews, but it seems like reality. Actually yeah. that happens. <laughs> I, okay, Natalie, I, I know we're not going to get this, but I think my number one wish right now at this exact second, well, no, not my number one top 10 wish mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. right now for this series is that one of the last books that we read is uh, features them in- infiltrating or maybe becoming a part of the Yerk HR team. Um, yes. And or like, in on the, some the, like accounting, the back end department kind of team. I want to hear, I want to hear the HR person talking about like, look, we did um, some surveying of the office at our, you know, after our last workshop and we just found that morale is really low. So we want to do something to bring morale up. Obviously we can't increase pay, you know, not, not possible. Obviously no. What about a, a pizza party? You think people will like the pizza party? And then that's what they do. Like I would love yeah. to read, like, you know, we asked this or three if he could kill less employees and he said no. So we can't do that, but a pizza party. Could we also do like, um, kind of like like a pizza party but we don't want it to be like too too like just fun we still want to have like some kind of efficiency out of it and so probably we should also give a presentation on the dangers of oatmeal maybe maybe we'll do some icebreakers because everyone loves an icebreaker like yeah and it's good it's good to like share a fun fact about your host body you know yeah 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 uh, they're planning their next like a uh, executive retreat where they're going to pick all the executives mm-hmm. like which way are we going to go like we thought maybe we'd go to um the Lear and Homeworld but you know war not going great there war, um we absolutely, thought maybe yeah. maybe we might go to you know our our um like another country but then you know we haven't gotten the oatmeal supply down there so we you know we won't accidentally have any like oatmeal breakouts super risky uh, yeah, I just really want the HR book where they're talking at length about how the big problem they're having is that they cannot get Visser 3 to stop killing employees. Totally. And it's really causing some problems because the people who have all the essential knowledge keep dying. And, and like the they've written him up, but he zero. doesn't care. He Absolutely doesn't care. Not. No. They're discussing how to escalate it further, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Can we, Absolutely. can we escalate it to the council? Will they do anything about it? They sure won't. Yeah, I really, I just, I love, I love that we hear about Yurik HR. I want more. It's not enough. Yeah, I know we won't get it. I know kids don't care, but I care. Well, and I also care. And I think that would be a fun time. You know, I love those universe building things, but um, all in all, that's the future. And it doesn't, I'm going to say, I'll draw a line and say that seems bad. And I don't think I want that for the future. No, I I also don't Um, think that'd be a good time. I don't think it'd be good. So combating this future is the evolutionist front and they are the rebels Mm -hmm. some of whom have yurks and some of whom don't and they are fighting the yurk empire trying to prevent them from blowing up the moon cassie is in charge and she is yurk she is a yurk named nis yes they're friends and they work together to fight the yurks yeah and i i had to say cassie shows up and she is just like a fighting badass badass. she's like really cool I she's be- and, and like a better leader than Jake like she keeps him yes. telling Jake like <laughs> Jake has to make all these decisions and she's like you can kill me that's the whole point like you gotta do the thing where you save the world that's the stakes here and Jake's like no but I love you and she's like please stop loving me I don't like you it's a whole thing I really like that Jake is so surprised and hurt that she doesn't yeah. like him anymore yeah. like she's not she's not in love with him anymore which on the one hand, it makes a lot of sense that he'd feel that way because for him, this is like just yesterday that they were a couple. Sure. Yep. 
but it is, it would be like running into your high school boyfriend, your high school boyfriend's like, what, you don't like me anymore? That is the energy. And I think it's very funny. I agree. It's very, very good. And then not, not only what you don't like me anymore and you want me to kill you. Like <laughs> it's, I, I understand why Jake's shocked. Um, but it is funny. I just, I, yeah, I really, he, yeah. he does not like, he does not get what is going on. No. Full no. stop. Yeah. And uh, Rachel is also working for the evolutionist front, but she faked her own death. And so she's yes. kind of like hanging out in the background. And um, she was in like a wheelchair. Like she had been she seriously in injured in yeah, some yeah, kind yeah. of fight. Yeah. Marco is now Visser 2. Yes. Having a great time terrorizing the world. I mean, Marco's not, but his yerk is. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Tobias is just hanging out, floating around. Right. Tobias, um, he is now Axe. Oh, yeah, yeah. He he perma- permanently morphed into an Andalite. Yes. And Axe is also yerked and took over the Andalite homeworld. Which yes. and unfortunate. What we've learned also is that Axe, 10 years old, looks just like Elfangor. Yeah, right. Um, mm, yeah. Yeah. And Jake, so Jake runs into Axe kind of towards the end of the book. Not Axe, right, Tobias. It's towards the end of the book. Um, and it's interesting because like the whole book they keep on mentioning him seeing a red-tailed hawk I, I think we kind of assume it's Tobias or I did uh, they mention kind of every now and then they'll mention like seeing a bird or like fluttering wings or feathers something like that um and then he ends up seeing Axe who is well he thinks it's Elfangor and he like has a whole conversation with Elfangor before it turns out that it's actually Tobias as Axe like um, Tobias keeps up his end as if he's Elfangor. Like he's like oh, a yeah. yes ending the situation, you know? Yeah, he's having a great time with this improv. Um, it's really interesting because the rest of the book series, Jake is trying to be the like the realist. And Cassie is the is like our our like optimist, like idealist. You know, she's trying to think about how not to how to behave. And this book, Jake yeah, is like, right. you know, really trying to talk about how how we should fight things to be just and all of that mm-hmm. and everybody else is just like so fucked up from this war yeah they're like we are past that that is not an option anymore like at one point uh jake says to tobias um you don't have to give your principles to win isn't there always an alternative to sacrifice if you just keep your mind clear and step back and see it and see it and and basically <laughs> tobias is like no nope <laughs> yeah doesn't exist uh, you don't know anything and he says this is a part where he realizes it's Tobias. Um, basically, Jake is lashing out and he thinks it's Elfangor and he's like, you made us like this. You you like put all this weight on us. You had no right to do that to us. We were children, which I think is actually kind of an impactful moment in the book. Um, yeah, but then totally. Tobias says, uh, let me guess what comes next. The, uh, the new voice says, Tobias's voice. You didn't ask for leadership, right? You didn't ask to make the tough calls, plan the mission, decide how to use your small but loyal force, how and when to put them in harm's way, risking their lives. You're blameless. The role was thrust upon you. Well, I don't buy it, Jake. Every choice is yours. Always has been. You were and are free. It is tough. It's a tough talk. It's it's just a really rough scene. And it's so sad and hard to see Jake like trying to figure out how to cope with all of this stuff. Also, though, that speech does kind of sound like Tobias as we currently know him anyway. Yes. Like, yeah. Tobias, I think, has already gone far past idealist at this point. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's it's interesting to think about the beginning of the book series and where we are now where like yeah. they've all had to do things that are just vicious and brutal and like really hard mm-hmm. and it's harder and harder to cling to that idealism and we miss it the most in Cassie I think who's just become she's just like I'd, I'd I'll die for this I'd rather die for this like I don't I'm not worried about hurting people anymore because I have to yeah it's really interesting to see the contrast um and also it's interesting to see Jake struggling with that too yeah I really it's I good. liked it I mean lot. it's part of what made this book really good yeah like Jake has to reckon with like it's wait I just had a thought it's kind of like he's doing therapy in his a little brain bit, a little bit a little bit like he's having to process a lot of his own ideas and what's happening to him uh and put it into action but like in a semi-low risk way in that like it is a dream uh although it feels real but yeah it's interesting and it's interesting too that it's all happening as things around him are telling him that what's happening is not real like in this very same scene um they're talking about what happened like how tom had killed him or not killed him tom um tom made him the host Yeah. yeah And, and uh, Jake says, but I'm here. Um, and then he, he says, says, but I'm here. I lifted up my hand, pink tan flesh into the light of the reading lamp, knuckles, nails, veins, bones, alive, real. Uh, and then Tobias says, uh, yes, you're here, but not alive. And then mm-hmm. Jake thinks, what was this? So you're getting more and more of these like, really? I don't, <sighs> creepy is not the word, but just these like little, I don't know, weird moments of like, he, like the world's sort of falling apart around. I just really like it. I think it's a really interesting scenario. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, do this it's a dream state, you know, like reality is fuzzy. Yeah. I, and I like that it's fuzzy. I think. Yeah. It works for this scenario. Totally. Yeah. And it, it makes it because it's a dream state that's falling apart. It makes the time travel part of it work better for me. I agree completely. Absolutely. Because, completely. because we're in on it from the start. Yeah, and it doesn't feel yeah. like, like when it's a time travel book, and I I expect that to have some consequence to the rest of the series, mm-hmm. and like I expect like when we did the the Jurassic Park Animorphs, um, mm-hmm. that should have some impact on the series, but it doesn't, and it's annoying because it's a real yeah. time travel, and then nothing changes. Yep, totally. Um, same thing with that one where they go to like the Amazon. Yeah, like it's a real you time travel. You think it's going to have an impact, but no. Yeah. This um, is time travel, but it shouldn't change anything. And we know it shouldn't change anything. Same with if, Back If to it changes anything, it changes how they, Jake will treat others. Yes. Um, yeah. So at the, so, okay. At the end of the book, Jake is, you know, there's been all of this lead up of like realist versus idealist. And at the end of this dream, he has to either save Cassie or stop the moon from blowing up. Mm-hmm. And he can only do one or the other. But it doesn't actually tell us which one he picked. What do you think he picked? I don't know. I thought about that a lot. I I feel like he chose. I don't know. I I would hope he chose the world. I kind of think he chose Cassie. So I think I think he chose Cassie because the sentence is like, I chose the only thing that matters or something. Mm-hmm. Um which I think implies the like romantic, not sure. not romantic as in relationship, but like the idealist romantic like uh-huh. kind of thing. Um, but 
also narratively, we know there's a um, prophecy that he will sacrifice Cassie in order to save the world. And so maybe he does that here too, which only adds further oomph that that's something he might do down the road. I mean, I guess this feels a little bit like, um, is the glass half empty, half full? I think it depends on how you read Mm -hmm. Jake's growth in this book. I I wonder if we'll ever find out what he picked. I kind of feel like it's better that we don't. Interesting. Only because I think it changes how you read him, right? If you read him as he chose Cassie, you're reading him as choosing to hold on to idealism. If you read him as choosing the world, you're, you're reading him as choosing to become more realistic. Yeah, right. And I think we shouldn't actually know what he chose, but I think what he does in future books should tell us. That'll inform us. Interesting. Not explicitly, but I think like if he if we see Jake becoming more jaded, more real, like more just like we we got to do what yeah we have more to do realism than he picked. Then the I think that implies he chose the world. But I yeah. think if he if we start seeing him trying to value and hold on to relationships more. That and like Cassie. trying to keep that uh, idealism in some way, even if he can't always hold on to it, I think it applies Cassie. I think that's interesting. What I think. Interesting. And I uh, think this writer is talented enough to do that. Some of the writers that we've had, they're, they're bad writers. But I think it would be hard for them to indicate that. I think this yeah. writer, and she does a bunch of the book, a bunch of the books, the next, um, the next that we're reading. Oh, good. Um, I think that she is talented enough where I would trust her to like convey that. And I, I think also K.A. Applegate as well. Cool. Should we talk about who implemented this dream? Okay. Well, first I want to ask you before we talk about, we sort of talk about that. Um, who did you, what did you think was happening? Like, who did you think was, like, what did you think was going on when at the beginning, like through this book? I thought it was Elemis shenanigans. And I know that he was like this, it, it seems like the Elemis, but he, I'm not hearing the Elemis. So maybe it's not because the Elemis is like Q. He kind of can't resist being like, mm-hmm. it was me. Um, but also yeah, I don't know. I just, I knew that there was an Elemist-like figure. Like, Jake's not doing this to himself. It's not a mm-hmm. dream he came up with. It's some kind of wild situation. I thought it was Krayak. Really? Oh, I did not think it was Krayak only, at all. Only because uh, Jake's talked about how he dreams about Krayak, like, every night. He's always dreaming about True. him. And I was like, would this be, like, a power play move where Krayak's like, all right, I, uh, this time I've decided it's not enough for me to just sit and stare at Jake during my designated uh, upsetting Jake time. Right, I'm to just going to torture him. Yeah. Now is the time. I want. I, I thought for a while, I, I kind of was like, maybe it's the Elemis. But then I was like, no, because I, I think we can kind of assume that the Elemis and Cryak have similar or the same powers. Totes, Totes And yeah. so I was like, maybe it's Cryak trying to fuck with Jake. Okay, I, that's fair. Okay, but I think we've realized at the end it is neither the Elemis nor Cryak. Mm-hmm. It is a someone new with a godlike powers um, who, for some reason, you put your evaluating human minds for some reason. <laughs> I don't know what it's because he just says it's a, there's two lines. The first mm-hmm. line is and when this is I just want to say for anyone who doesn't have a book with them, the, it's written in all caps. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to yell it. Uh, OK, uh, it says interesting choice. And then the second thing that this says. They have strangely segmented minds, conscious, unconscious, and an ability to reconcile both. They will bear more study, these humans. So it's studying human brains for a mysterious... For some purpose. And And they seem, it seems like they're not, that implies no investment in the actions Mm -hmm. of the Yerks or the humans Mm -hmm. versus the Yerks. It implies just like a, huh, look at this brain. Yeah. Just sort of like a general academic curiosity. But it also seems like their academic uh, study was um, 
not the most well done because they mess up multiple times throughout it. But then they just kind of roll with it. They're like, like at one point, Marco makes a mistake. Uh, oh, and so gets it doesn't a, matter. Yeah. And they're, and they're like, Jake points out like, oh, so this is a dream then. Like, this isn't real because that's not true. Yeah. And Marco was like, what is real? Yeah. Pain is pain. I will inflict pl- pain either way. So it doesn't matter to you. Yeah. It was if, if Marco was this or two or this or three. Yeah. Changed. And uh, it's like they're the puppet masters of this whole scenario. And they're like, we don't really care that you know it's a scenario. The placebo effect, who cares? I'm going to hurt you no matter what. So I mean, do what it, I it say. Also, it also could be they chose to do that because it's a different kind oh, of that's torture. that's true. Interesting. But yeah, anyway, we don't know who they are. My prediction is that we're going to learn more about who they are in the Elemist Chronicle. Because I bet they're another one of the Elemists. Like, I bet you're we, right. The Elemist is not alone. We know that there are other ones like him. And we know that the Elemist is um, somewhat removed from the other ones. He's doing something he should not be doing. Yes. So perhaps this is the ones who have caught up with the Elemist and are like, naughty, naughty. What are you doing? Yeah. It just feels like this might be like, I don't know, the Elemist buddy. I don't know. One of his friends. Sure. I'm excited to see who it is because yeah. uh, adding another godlike figure into the mix um such at this point in the game it's pretty late yeah yeah it is it's in so it must be something good yeah i think my i really don't think we're gonna find out that much more about it though until we get to almost chronicle yeah i think you're right how far away is that uh it's the second to last book oh my gosh that's so far away i know but i think it's i think it's actually a great place for it to be because when i like do a lot of the setup okay for the finale yeah okay all right um, well, actually, that's a really good segue. Should we kind of wrap up talking about the book and just talk about next things? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. We're not doing study hall or classes this week because um, we couldn't think of any um, and because it's the first episode of the season and we didn't feel like it. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's a lot. This book is a lot already. I, you know what I advise everyone to do? It's, it's not homework. It's, it's not a class either. Um, <laughs> I would say... Just go write a dream journal or something. I don't know. Explore oh your dreams. See if your dreams have been manipulated by a, a, a godlike figure. I've been having really weird dreams lately, and I would not be surprised, to be honest. Well, so uh, that's my recommendation to you. Okay. It's not noted. a class. Thanks. Just, you know, mentally play the, the class music and then go write in your dream journal. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, what are we reading next? What's book 42? So book 42 has what I would call an upsetting cover. It's mm-hmm. Rachel turning into an elephant. It's called The Journey. Um, and the little tagline oh. is Rachel is about to go where no human has gone before. Interesting. Um, yeah. It, the only thing I like about the cover is I think her dress might be kind of nice. It's hard to tell, but you know, that's nice. Okay. Um, <gasps> okay. Dwin, I'm reading the back cover ahead of you. And oh my God, please read it. I'm excited. Oh, no. I'm so excited. Okay. I'm very excited <laughs> for everybody. Um, sometimes your worst problems are the ones you can't actually see. Like the Helmicrons. Yeah. These less than an inch high aliens are back and they want the morphing cube more than ever. Of course. Obviously, Rachel, the other Animorphs and Axe can't let them take the cube. But when Rachel tries to stop the Helmicrons from stealing it, Marco gets in the way and ends up with tiny aliens, well, up his nose. Ah! <laughs> Rachel and the others can't let the Helmicrons stay inside Marco's head. They're armed and can cause serious damage. 
For sure. So the Animorphs and Axe come up with a plan to evict the Helmicrons from their new residence, but it involves a shrinking ray and the obvious, Marco's nose. We okay. are doing a magic school bus style episode featuring thinking. the Helmicrons. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is 100% the magic school bus. Um, get your Miss Frizzle dress on. We are going inside the body. Get a Gosh. bus. I don't know. Oh my I, gosh. I, you know it involves swords me? and making people captain. Can you imagine they're going to fight the boogers? It's going to be amazing. I, this is the perfect book. I know we were so concerned about not getting Helmicrons back. This is perfect. This was, okay. Ugh. I don't want to say it's worth the wait wow. yet, but it does feel like it's going to be worth the wait. Like this feels Season like. five off to a very strong oh, start. Man. Gotta say. What Oh man, I am happy extremely surprise. excited. <laughs> I'm so, glad we don't, I'm so glad we don't read the summaries before like we do an episode coming. all right great this I'm very excited to talk about the Helmocrons next week yay yeah we're gonna well I'm sure we'll have some good classes just to talk about all the Helmocron things all the details man, all, the, all magic the magic school, school business bus. of it oh man you know where wear your best do... Miss Frizzle dress okay I, I have one I'm sure um, one day I still <laughs> want to do my my dream Halloween costume, which is all everyone dresses up as as Miss Frizzle and goes out together as a frazzle of frizzles. Yes, we talked about that. We were going to do yes. it last year, and then you know, COVID. Yeah, yeah. let's do it next year. Okay. All, all right. right. Great. Well, um, that's it then. That's the end of our right. first book of our season. First book of our final season. As of the Animorphs. Of the Animorphs. Yeah. We can read other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we could. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, see you later. See you, later. See you next week for the Melcross. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.